0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: Since about mid-May, Taiwan has seen an increase in COVID cases and is now on COVID alert level 3. I've invited Courtney Donovan-Smith onto Talking Taiwan to talk about what led to the increase in COVID cases, the current situation, and what's happening with Taiwan's efforts to acquire COVID vaccines. Courtney Donovan-Smith is the Central Taiwan Correspondent for ICRT News and one of the co-founders of the Taiwan Report, which I highly recommend. It's a really great news resource for what's happening in Taiwan. We spoke last Thursday, June 3rd. Welcome to the podcast.
0: It's great to be here.
1: Thank you. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of news surrounding Taiwan after Taiwan had such a great COVID response, having the pandemic under control. It seems that the cases of COVID have spiked recently. What's the situation in Taiwan? like? Can you describe what the atmosphere is like there right now?
0: Well, I mean, one of the good things about Taiwan is, I, I mean, basically everybody's taking it very seriously. And everywhere I go, like, for example, I went to work the other day, uh, to the office um, and on the way I saw between a hundred and two hundred people and out in the street interacting with other people I saw one person without a mask on. I saw uh, two or three people in workplace settings where they were like loading trucks and stuff like that where they weren't close to anybody else and a few people with their masks down again socially distanced and smoking cigarettes. But um, basically Everywhere you go, when you go into shops, you go into 7-Eleven. Uh, most places won't uh, won't let you buy anything until you, you know, put in your QR code or write down your contact information. And you have to show them that the QR code, the SMS message has been sent before they'll actually uh, let you buy anything or do anything in the shop. So everywhere you go, if you've got a QR code reader, it's really simple. Uh, you scan the QR code. And it automatically uh, puts a, a message to your um, to uh, an SMS message, and then you just click send, and it off it goes. Um, or you can grab the pen, which is iffy because you know how many people, who knows how many people <laughs> have picked that thing up. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can write down your contact information. You you you've got the choice of either one. So everywhere you go, 7-Eleven, your local cafeteria. Oh. Uh, you want to pick up a biaodang, you're going to you're you're going to have to you know let them know where you are. There's a few places mm-hmm. I've been. Uh, there's one 7-Eleven, for example, where they just put the QR code outside, mm-hmm. and they weren't checking to see whether or not you'd actually uh, entered your information. But most places they actually ask mm-hmm. to see your phone to see that the message was sent with the proper code from that location. Mm-hmm. So uh, people here are taking it very seriously, and uh, as you well know. In Taiwan, wearing a mask is not a political issue uh, because people wore masks pretty regularly right. because of the pollution. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the level of compliance here is quite high. Um, and I actually gave a speech uh, at uh, Donghai University, a, a lecture there for um, students about different responses between the U.S. and Taiwan on uh, during, mm-hmm. uh, over, over the pandemic. And I pointed out that it's, it's, you know, a lot of overseas writers go, it's like, oh, well, they're Confucian and all this kind of st- stuff. And I said, no, that's completely nonsense. Um, I, I, you know, Taiwanese sees the legislature for crying out loud. I mean, you know, uh, civil disobedience <laughs> yeah. is, is definitely a thing here. Um, you know, that's not right. it. It's that the, the government response has been, by and large, not perfectly, but by and large has been transparent uh clear they update uh the public daily uh there's 2 p.m briefings which is coming up in a couple of hours um and at these briefings it's the the head of the CECC and the health minister that's the central epidemic command center he also is is the health minister he gives a briefing along with some of Mm -hmm. his staff you'll notice the president keeps out of these briefings uh unlike uh, a previous u.s president um and mm-hmm. so the professionals are basically in charge. And obviously it helped that in the beginning of the pandemic, our vice president here was a professional epidemiologist um, and our current vice president is a medical yeah. doctor. So I think that the, the level of mm-hmm. trust that the public has in the government response is pretty high. And it helps also, I think that the, uh, the KMT, for example, uh, came out with a public statement asking mm-hmm. the public to comply with the guidelines and, uh, you know, even because the game, and then they're taking a break of course from, you know, slamming the government over pretty much everything. Uh, but you know, even the, the, the you know, when the, the major, when the major opposition party comes out and says comply with the guidelines along with the ruling party, you're going to have a pretty high level of compliance. So I, I think the mood here is cautious, not panicked, uh, High levels of compliance, not a hundred percent but pretty high. Um, so overall i'm I'm feeling fairly positive on the public's response. At least I'm talking about my neighborhood. and anecdotally, it sounds mm-hmm. like around the country it's pretty similar
1: right. And the spike in the COVID cases started in mid-May. Like, Let's talk about what happened there. I understand that um, it could be traced to some commercial airline pilots. And the reason is because they had shortened quarantine measures, different from the general public. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Um, essentially what happened, and, and this is really where the government dropped the ball, is they shortened the quarantine requirements for airline crew to only three days. And that's foolish because they already had an outbreak before from airline crews. So they should have known better. Mm -hmm. And they had easily enough vaccines to make sure the airline crew, because at the time, uh, there were no cases. So the public, they'd already offered Mm -hmm. uh, vaccines to the general public, and they were having trouble getting the general public to get the vaccines because there was no cases. So no one was worried. So they easily had enough vaccines. So they could have easily required these airline crews to be vaccinated or have to undergo the standard 14 day quarantine. But they didn't do that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so some pilots, obviously, they go overseas and, you know, they get up to whatever they get up to when they travel around the world um, and (laughs) came back and they stayed at the Novotel Hotel. Now, the Novotel Hotel is right next to uh, the airport. Now, it has two buildings, um, and the Novotel Hotel decided to pick up, to, to, get, to make more money, they offered this special package to local tourists. So they had a mm-hmm. whole bunch of local tourists in the hotel. Now, they did separate the airline crews on, the, on their quarantines by putting them on separate floors. But, of course, the contact point of transmission between the two was the Novotel staff. So what happened is, is this is what Mm -hmm. it appears happened, is that airline crews or pilots infected each other. They infected Novotel staff who infected people at the hotel and people they came in contact with outside of the hotel. Oh, dear. So this is something I think the government should have been prepared for because they'd already had. A pilot-linked outbreak but in this case they didn't really learn their lesson
1: so now um, Taiwan's been at a level three and how long has it been that Taiwan's been at a level three Um, for about maybe a month or so now yeah and level three basically means that they're asking people to wear masks entertainment venues like the operations are being suspended restaurants and stores only offer takeout then no no weddings and funerals and religious gatherings are banned.
0: Another big one is that uh, no groupings of five people. Uh, you can only have up to four people indoors and up to nine people outdoors. So, for example, there are people who have been getting fined for having groups of five for playing mahjong.
1: <laughs> What's a fine?
0: Well, there's two separate kinds of fines. Uh, one can go up to 300000 NT, which is for businesses that are operating illegally. Um, and this has been a problem for like when businesses send out like masseuses, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, masseuses. Um, and then <laughs> there's non mask wearing smaller violations, which are between three and 15,000 NT.
1: What's happened since going to law three What have been the most recent developments?
0: Well, uh, initially there was uh, kind of the, the cases kept climbing for a little while and this Uh, there's several outbreaks, which we can go into if you're interested, but essentially the cases started climbing. And the big problem I think is that there was a certain amount of complacency on the part of the government in that they thought that they could contain it much Mm -hmm. easier. And this is the UK variant. And I think they really underestimated just how virulent that strain is. So it kind of started getting a little Mm -hmm. bit out of control. Not completely out of control, but not completely in control either. And so the cases started climbing, and they were not very well prepared uh, for mass testing. So they've been limiting the testing to people with symptoms and people who have been known to come in contact with people who are infected. So they went into uh, contact tracing Mm -hmm. and all of that, but this much more virulent strain kind of they they haven't been able to quite get it under control and so there was kind of a spike and then the trend was coming down slowly and then it it picked up again yesterday so we really don't know where we're at so it it really looks like sort of fundamentally like they it's not completely out of control nor is it completely in control
1: right so Is Taiwan getting close to going to level four, which is a full lockdown?
0: Well, according to um, Chen Shizhong, the health minister, right now they have no plans to. And tentatively, level three is going to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: last until June 14th. Uh, As far as going into level four, Mm -hmm. they feel that they still have the situation under control enough uh, that they don't want to make that move. So uh, they are... Still saying that they're optimistic that that we won't have to go into level four. Now this is a tough decision for them to make because if you go into level four, you basically are shutting down the economy. Um, now in practice, level three is kind of like a soft lockdown. You know, uh, people are encouraged to work from home, and as you noted, people can't you know go you can't dine in restaurants and things like that. Um, and so a lot of people are indeed working from home, um, but the, um, you know, it, it, to go completely to level four would shut down the economy. So, and the the thing is, is, so it's a very tough decision for uh, Chen Shijong to make. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's, he's making the right decision or not so far the the, it's been, Semi-contained, it's still spreading, but it's not spiking out of control. But it, the numbers are not coming down to zero. Um, so, so we won't really know whether or not Taiwan should have gone into level four lockdown until uh, you know a few weeks from now, uh, at the earliest. So we'll only know with hindsight. So he has to make a really tough call right now and he's sticking with level three for now
1: and there is a standard to decide whether or not to go to level four like how many cases or the percentage of increase
0: yeah um it's tied to uh the number of cases new cases i i believe have to be over 50 percent of unknown origin in other words they can't contact trace Mm -hmm. where it came from and up to this point so far those numbers have been pretty low, um, you know, along like 40 percent. However, in the last mm-hmm. couple of days, those that number dropped radically. And my first, I, I first looked at that and I went, "Wow, that's a really big drop in the number of unconfirmed cases." So I put that out online, and a, and a bunch of people mm-hmm. responded saying, "Yeah, basically they've decided if you live in." Taipei or New Taipei that's enough to qualify you for uh they know where your cor- your your case came from so in other words they've lowered the standards hmm. uh on what counts as uh-huh. we know where your case came from so um hmm. yeah that that's a little iffy um so and since the qualification is 50% I don't know if they intentionally did that to keep those numbers low or not. I don't really know what's going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. One thing that um, Taiwan's been criticized for is its low vaccination rate. And as you said, part of it is because um, the population may have been a little bit complacent about that and not feeling the urgency. Are there any other reasons besides that um, you think Taiwan has such a low vaccination rate?
0: Well, the biggest reason is low supply. Uh, Once a recent outbreak uh, occurred, the number of people wanting vaccines immediately skyrocketed. so the demand mm-hmm. is now very very much out there for for the vaccines but uh, and taiwan ordered a bunch of overseas vaccines some have arrived but it's, it's still in the hundreds of thousands out of a population of 23.5 million so the the biggest right. problem and this is this is not a specific taiwan problem a lot of countries have been considered low priority by Uh, the major manufacturers who prioritize often their home countries. So the United States and the UK, for example, have abundant supply, but uh, other countries like Taiwan uh, are kind of at the short end of the stick on this. And it doesn't help that Taiwan's political status has made this even worse. So there's this big problem with uh, Pfizer and BioNTech, German company, they contracted with uh, Fosun Pharmaceutical in Shanghai to handle the, quote, greater China market. Now, Fosun mm-hmm. Biotech also hand, you know, handles uh, Chinese-manufactured vaccines, which I saw one poll which said something like only 1 point something percent of the population here uh, would consider taking a Chinese-made uh, vaccine. So Fo- mm-hmm. Fosun Pharmaceutical now basically handles the supply. BioNTech uh, did eventually talk directly to the government here, but they d- demanded that the that Taiwan drop their reference to themselves as a country. And then they came back and said, mm. "Oh, well, you can just refer to yourself as Taiwan and that'll be good enough." And then they came back and said, "Well, hmm. we're not giving you vaccines for now." Now the government claims and BioNTech claims that they have, you know, they have to meet supply commitments elsewhere. The German government has gotten in- involved um, to try and get them to do it, but this is a private contract, and we don't really know. There's a lot of uh, confusion right now as to what exactly is going on on this. It may be that because of the contract to FOSUN, which is for greater China, which apparently includes Taiwan, um, that they may not be able to supply Taiwan. Or maybe they can, but they don't want to because they, they don't want to offend the PRC. Or they have other commitments elsewhere and just don't simply have enough supply on hand to supply Taiwan. We don't actually really know what's going on right now. So you've got then you get Terry Go, Guo Taiming and uh, Guan Guanshan the Buddhist uh, uh, the Buddhist organization and some others have been trying to privately uh, go to Germany and get the and try and get vaccines directly from them and they've uh, already applied to the government now of course Terry Go has political aspirations. So we know where that's coming from. Um, And so they've applied because all vaccines have to go through the health ministry and be approved by the FDA, uh, basically. So they've already put in the applications. Whether they'll be able to actually uh, acquire any, we we still don't know. Um, But they're trying. Then there are groups that are trying to get the Chinese vaccines, and that's all very, very political. The Chinese government is offering vaccines to Taiwan, uh, particularly Chinese made ones, which nobody actually wants here.
1: Isn't there some special uh, rule or regulation about Chinese drugs? Are Chinese drugs allowed in Taiwan, or is there some. I heard that they're banned in Taiwan.
0: They need a special authorization um, to be allowed Mm. into Taiwan. And, I mean, it's widely known that the. Uh, Chinese vaccines have a much lower efficacy rate. Uh, There have been cases, I think it was the Seychelles, where it seemed to help with the severity of catching COVID, but people were still getting it and still (gasps) passing it on. Um, So it helped reduce the severity, but still a lot of people were still catching it and passing it on even after taking the Chinese vaccines. Uh, There was another study in Brazil which showed the Sinopharm one was 50% uh, effective. What's coming out of Beijing is this line that, oh, the DPP secessionist authorities don't want to accept our perfectly wonderful, safe, magical vaccines, and it's all their fault that they don't have vaccines, and... And there are some on the KMT side that are are playing into that line and saying that Taiwan should accept these Chinese vaccines. But as we know, they're, they're not terribly um, effective. And then the Japanese uh, have started talking about that. They might supply some might uh, donate some of their supply to Taiwan. And the Chinese objected to that. Again, saying, you know, everything has to go through us. So essentially what, what China is trying to do is is circumvent any direct connection between Taiwan and uh, companies and organizations over, or other countries overseas to access vaccines. They want to hijack them and make sure it all goes through them, which is the same playbook after the 921 earthquake <clears throat> where they they made sure that all incoming aid flights had to be pre-approved to go through China over their airspace. So, you know, there was, you know, hundreds, thousands of people trapped in rubble and incoming aid flights had to fly around Chinese airspace to come in and uh, bring um, rescue workers. So this is straight out of the of their playbook.
1: There's been a sense of urgency with the vaccines because President Tsai Ing-wen basically came out and said in pretty direct terms that China prevented Taiwan from signing the deal with BioNTech.
0: There's been different stories on that. What Chen shu jong has been saying and what she said and what the German representative in Taiwan said um, are all not quite the same. Um, so that's that's why I said earlier there's a lot of confusion on this because Chen Shijong said there's no problem with doing a deal with them. There were other reasons why they couldn't supply uh, the vaccines, which uh, then there was some somewhere else that came out that they, they had other... I forget the source on this, that the reason was that they, they had other supply commitments first. Then Taiyuan came out and said that it was China's fault. And the German representative said they're doing everything they can, but it's a private contract. Um,. And it's it's out of their hands, but they're doing everything they can. So th- these stories don't all exactly line up. And BioNTech, at least as of yesterday, I haven't checked everything yet today, but um, hasn't come out and issued any statement on where things are at. So we don't really know what's going on there for sure. We do know that, that BioNTech has uh, an agreement with Fosun Pharmaceutical in Shanghai, for the greater China area, which includes Taiwan. But is, does that mean that they can do another deal outside of that? Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of mystery and confusion going on here. So I, I, I don't really know what's going on because the press accounts are, are, are all not all lining up. What's interesting is, I mean, this UK variant is is very virulent. Um it's uh, unlike the previous outbreaks this one seems to be much more infectious and is spreading mm-hmm. much easier now mm-hmm. what's interesting is, is obviously the most famous outbreak is the the one that came out of the one Wan, Taipei Wanhua district tea houses which are
1: right uh,
0: Basically, they're they're you know they're famous for being places where older, particularly men go. They're in a lot of them, not all of them. Uh, they are hostesses, and sometimes they're just going there, to chat and make friends and meet with their friends, and and if they're lonely, have you know a woman to talk to, and they you know they leave large tips mm-hmm. or something for them. In some case, there's mm-hmm. uh, cases there's sex involved, uh, which. It does look like, as uh, Chen Shih-chung rather delicately put it, they were under a, uh, it was in a circumstance where it was difficult to maintain proper social distancing and wear a mask. <laughs> um, right. um, so that's that was where the biggest outbreak was. But you have cases like, you know, because I do the Central Taiwan News for ICRT, and there is a, a case where there was a woman in the, uh, she a, a sells grapes, basically. She's a, in the grape business. And she visited uh, the Wanhua district. She she got infected, came back to Zhanghua, attended a wedding, uh, went out with a singing club, uh-huh. uh, attended a KTV with the wedding people, after the wedding, and so she single-handedly <laughs> spread it to maybe it might I think that outbreak maybe uh, maybe over a hundred now I'd have to double check but last I looked wow. it was uh, like over fifty people but the numbers have since gone up to it was 166 right. in Jianghua two di- two days ago um and when I wow. checked at the, at that particular outbreak. Uh, in the 50s, it was when there were still well under 100. So I think that individual, uh, who the press dubbed uh, "Grape Mother," uh, as the press tends to do here, <laughs> um, <laughs> "Putao Mama," um, the uh, that I think that outbreak probably is now over 100 just from that one person. That's how infectious this is.
1: Yeah. It's incredible how it multiplies. Well, we'll hope for the best for Taiwan, and we'll be watching the situation.
0: To be honest, I'm um, cautiously hopeful. I mean, like I say, the, this particular variant is so virulent that they're, they're having trouble completely bringing yeah. it under control. But again, things are not totally out of control either. You know, considering there's considering the population of the country that we have a few hundred cases a day, um, is not exactly a wildly out of control outbreak. You know, the percentage of the population that's right. getting it is still quite small. Um, so it's not a, mm-hmm. a totally uncontained outbreak, but again, it's still it's still an outbreak. It's still ongoing. It's not so basically every day at 2 uh, you know I I me and pretty much probably half the country are watching the um, the the briefings to see what are the latest numbers what's the trend what's you know and the trend had been going down but it seems like it you know again it spiked yesterday so we, we don't know we, don't, we you know but again people yeah. here are taking a lot yeah. of precautions um, so I think that's, what's kept it from being an, an, an uncontrolled uh, outbreak. You know, people very, most people don't seem to be catching it in the streets. They're catching it from close family members. Um, so most of mm-hmm. it's people in very close contact with each other, but you only need one and then they can spread it to their, their group. And they come in contact with one person yeah. from another group and then they spread it. There, It's not like people, I, I, I don't feel like it's very much where there is a case, for example, here in Taichung where a 7-Eleven clerk got it, um, but those cases seem to be mm-hmm. less, it seems to be less, not a huge number of people are getting it in, in those sorts of environments, um, but there are mm-hmm. a few, and just enough are getting it and then passing it to close, intimate people in their life. To keep this thing continuing, um, so th- that's pretty much where we're at. Like I say, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because people here are taking this pretty seriously. But there's only so much you can do to keep a disease from, you know, from transmitting. You know, it's 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 in, in you know it's 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 not something we have complete and total control over.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and letting us even just knowing what the situation is like there. um, It's very interesting how they're doing the contact tracing with the QR codes and all that. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be on the podcast. If people are interested in hearing the Taiwan Report or any other reporting that you're doing, how can they find you?
0: Uh, Go to report.tw. It's a pretty easy to remember URL. So.
1: Great. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Take care. Yep. Bye.
1: I've been speaking with Courtney Donovan-Smith of the Taiwan Report about the COVID-19 situation in Taiwan. Since we spoke on June 3rd, Taiwan remains at COVID alert level three. On Friday, Japan sent over one million doses of AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine to Taiwan, and the U.S. has promised to donate 750,000 COVID-19 vaccine doses to Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode or the Taiwan Report, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. Talking Taiwan publishes new episodes on a weekly basis, and our work is made possible by the generous donations of our supporters and listeners. Help us to grow and continue producing engaging content by supporting us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash TalkingTaiwan. We are offering supporters invitations to a quarterly AMA or Ask Me Anything session with me, Felicia Lin, the host of Talking Taiwan. Advanced notification of future guests, a Talking Taiwan tote bag, and other mystery gifts. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, tell a friend about us, or help others to discover Talking Taiwan by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin.
0: Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.